Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. soundtrack to a life. I'm Chris. With me today is Mike Muller. Mike, why don't you tell the people at home about yourself? Hi, I'm Mike Muller. I've known Chris for, God, 20 years now, something to that effect. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah, give or take. I'm getting ready to go back to university in my late 30s and, uh, you know, do something new with my life. So, yeah, that's what I'm all about. Nice. And uh, Mike and I are here today discussing Lady Tron's 2005 album, Witching Hour. It's stupid, and I know it shouldn't be, but years that end in zero have a certain power. They feel like a line separating the past and all it represents from a bold and glorious future, and people expect their art to be new and bold and futuristic, to respect the spirit of a changing age. Imagine in that light what a year that ended in three zeros did. It was time for music that was a little bit modern, a little bit otherworldly, and a little bit sexy, and I think Lady Tron delivered on all three counts. For me, anyway. I can't speak for the whole world, and perhaps I'm reading too much into it as this band was not by any means a huge mainstream success story, but when I look back on the early days of the 21st century and really think about the fact that we were living in the 21st century where previously that had been shorthand in science fiction, the soundtrack was always Lady Tron. Between 2001 and 2011, they released a total of five records, and I own them all and listen into them semi-regularly. Really, any of them could have been the album that we discussed here, but we're talking about Witching Hour for two reasons. First, I think that there's a sense of tension to this album that's maintained really expertly. While their first two albums felt more like collections of songs, this one feels like a complete thought. And second, because of Destroy Everything You Touch, which I think is probably the high-water mark for the band. I will always dance to destroy everything you touch. That is a firm promise. So, Mike, now that you've heard Witching Hour by Ladytron for the first time, what do you think? I spent all day listening to it, and uh, really the last week listening to it. I'd never really had, I, of course, heard Destroy Everything You Touch uh, in the club and loved it, but had never sort of gone further than that and was pretty pleasantly surprised. I mean, for for something out of 2005 of this mood, I would have expected I would have gone after it. I mean, I was big into, like, the lower-end Covenant stuff, Seabound, stuff like that, which is very similar in terms of the sound, and I just had never explored it, and it's actually a really great album. It's really good. It's a strong one, and yeah, it is still getting played. Not, I would imagine, in a regular club, but in a goth club that's <laughs> a appealing goth club, certainly, yeah. to people whose age begins with the number three, it's a banger and it fills the floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's actually been a while since I've heard it played in any of the clubs, but when it does come on, it always fills up the floor. So, Which I will, I will occasionally uh, request that one. I'll request that one or disco tracks off of one of their previous ones. Okay. Or sometimes International Dateline. The, uh, see, that, the, for me, that was sort of the standout track on this album. Was it? Uh, for whatever reason, it just hit me deepest. It's For me, music's all about the mood and 
the feeling that it conveys, and that for whatever reason, that one just hit me really deep. Yeah, and it does. It's uh, it's very. I mean, the whole album is built around tension and propulsion, but International Dateline is that especially. It's interesting to me that you compared it to Covenant. I more had them lumped in with the wave of indie guitar bands that were happening at about that time, like the whole post-strokes, mm-hmm. a little bit distorted. The singer is pretty sure they're not f- close enough to the microphone. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of moments like that on this one. Um, I don't know. I I think it was the the synth element of it that got me there. Uh, I mean, obviously there is a lot of guitar work on there that I wasn't expecting. I, I thought it was all just synth. But uh, the synth work really took me, just reminded me a lot of listening to, as I said, Covenant and Seabound back in about that era, 2005-2006. There's a feeling to that era, like like you said, you know, years that end with zero, it's the beginning of something, but when you get midway through that 10-year period, it's it's another thing entirely. And I found that there was a lot of music that really had that vibe of sort of lower five, a little bit crunchier, and just moved, you know, and just got people moving. Yeah, because this was this was uh, what was playing at a certain type of bar. At a certain type of bar, yeah, exactly. At the time, a guitar band could still be played in the middle of a crowded nightclub, and everyone uh, thought that that was fine. This is true. That's much less the case these days, I've noticed. Uh, well, right now, it, well, no. everything comes in cycles. It, it's all cycles, yeah. The early 2000s followed three years of non-stop boy bands that we thought were never going to end. This is true. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be back. Uh, of course they will. Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block are touring literally again. right yeah, exactly. now. It's, you know, that's how it goes. So, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was really taken by her voice. It just, it draws you in, I found. It really does. It just, it, there's just the wispy quality to it and i mean it's not really melodic in terms of the vocal lines in the songs it's it's not like she's going all over the map in terms of the melody with her voice but there's something really nice to that just sureness of what she's singing and you know it may be it may be one note all the way along but it just draws you in it's very evocative yeah like it, it really it provides its own atmosphere and then you're invited to join them or not. Well, yeah, exactly. It's uh, Listening to it today, depending on my mood as I was listening to it, it was it either drew me in further or it was like, okay, it's good, but I'm just going to keep it there. But, you know, if my mood sort of dropped a bit at any point for other reasons, it seemed to fit better. It just... It needs a lower energy level sort of thing. That makes sense. Thinking about it, I will almost always listen to Lady Tron late at night, whether that's in a bar or just as my music to chill out to at the end of the day. I don't imagine... I mean, Destroy Everything You Touch is a very thumping beat. It was obviously meant for it to be the sort of quote-unquote club hit. It's... But at the same time, I don't imagine it's going to be at the top of anybody's workout mix. No, no. <laughs> Good lord, no. But wow. If you listen to Lady Tron as part of your workout mix, if... anger tweet at me that I'm so wrong. <laughs> that, that sounds like uh, crunches that end up in crying. It's uh, That's just a bad day. Yeah. 
experience. That's not the emotional experience that they have prepared for you. Well, exactly. It's uh, it's very clear that they went into it with a mood set that they wanted to convey. And it comes through really clearly, I found. Yeah, 100%. There's a very ethereal quality. Like, they're creating moods and tones here rather than individual songs. Mm -hmm. And then they are performing those moods and tones to you in the style of a sexy robot. Mm, those sexy robots can't get enough of them. That's... But I mean, that's a trope in dance music. Well, it is. It's <laughs> even, even just with the first track where it came in with sort of the crunchy guitar and there's a lot of distortion to it and all of that, it drew me in. I I think I had heard that track before somewhere. It, it seemed to ring true somehow. And just the crunchiness of the guitar is really, it was a great jump off point for the album, I found. it's Yeah, it really was. And the first, their, um, their debut and sophomore were a lot more synth heavy. Okay. And I remember picking this up uh, when it came out and also being surprised by how much more guitar there was mm -hmm. to it than I had previously grown to expect. And then past this point, it became more of a like guitar-based indie rock type group. Yeah. Uh, whereas for Witching Hour, I think it really is an equal mix of both. It, yeah, a good mix of them, yeah. I think whether you would refer to this as a guitar record or a synth record would depend more on you. If you're coming to it having listened to mostly synth music, yeah. It's going to sound like a guitar record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And vice versa. Right now, previous to listening to this stuff for all of this, I had been on a punk kick. So it did seem very synth heavy, but I'd always sort of expected that. Like, I was like, okay, Ladytron is synth music. And to hear the guitar in there was really a pleasant surprise. It's opened my eyes a bit for it. So. Yes. And I mean, at a certain point, that temptation exists for synth bands. Depeche Mode spent most of the 90s making very guitar-heavy music. Very much so, yeah. Gary Newman is traveling around the world playing guitars. Uh, just let me process that for a second. What? Dude, have you not heard the new Gary Newman record? I haven't. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess I've, got, I've got some homework, okay? Cool. First of all, it's real good. Okay. Second of all, he definitely looked at the kind of bands that were influenced by Gary Newman. And then has been making music that sounds like that? Interesting. Third of all, it's apparently his most, like, commercially successful album hmm. since 1980. Holy crap. Yeah, Gary Newman's back, baby. Okay, cool. And it's great and weird, and everyone should listen to it. He's coming to town in November. Nice. Unless uh, you're listening to this... Later. ...after November, in which hey. case you missed that show, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it, to to hear the guitar in there was, it, it really opened me up to it. Yeah, there were moments where I remember thinking this is, it seemed almost like on more of the synth-heavy tracks, it seemed minimalist Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode just trimmed back to just the barest, bare essentials of their stuff. And that that was another feeling that I remember. It's like, hmm, this, this has tastes of Violator, but, you know, it's way, way minimalist. I'll buy that. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like an outline. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the novel, it's just, uh, here's, here's the byline on it. Here's the gist. Yeah. We hope that you've enjoyed Depeche Mode's simplified synth lines 
with weird ethereal uh, again the vocals, vocals over yeah, top of it. Uh, Sounds a little bit like. Um, are you familiar with Lush? No, I'm not. Probably no. You were absolutely five or six years too young for the hot minute the shoegaze was a thing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that would have been. They turned the distortion all the way up and stared at their feet while playing. It was magnificent, and I don't imagine I missed out by not catching these bands live. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's not much to see, and it's probably real similar to the recording. Yeah, I would think, uh, or yeah. maybe it's not, but I, certainly it's interesting to listen to, like the layers of sound certainly. that they pile on top of one another. But there was a band, Lush, during that scene, who somebody's going to talk to me about on this show at some point, where the uh, female vocals were a little bit similar to this. Okay. Except that they were creating gentle waves of sound or abrasive waves of sound mm-hmm. rather than songs that you nominally were meant to be dancing to. <laughs> True. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that seems strange. So when I came to Lady Tron, that was the ref- frame of reference that I had. Okay. Uh, oh, it's lush, but they're making dance music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then because in 2001, 2002... There was no such thing as Wikipedia. Yeah. I just assumed that that was the case. I, like, legit thought that this was one well, of the vocalists from Lush in a new a group. It's a different name. Yeah. <laughs> when in reality, corner case bands that I liked in the early 90s turn out to have had more legs in terms of influence. Hmm. So what was, uh, for you, what is it about this album that, like, really gets you? Was it a time and place thing? Was it... This album, in particular... Like I said, I I think Form love the first three Lady Tron records. Mm. I like all five Lady Tron records. If Lady Tron decided that they wanted to put out a record tomorrow, I would be purchasing it at the stroke of midnight. But this is the one where they balance the parts of themselves the best, I think. They are a guitar band, but they're also a synth band. They are a dance act, but they're also an indie act. They are a band that wants to create a mood, but also wants to produce songs. But this was the moment in their career where I think that they did all of these things together the most successfully. And everything really fit with each other in a way that albums previous and subsequent to this did manage to do, but not quite the same. I will listen to Caught in a Certain Mood. Lady Tron's entire catalog for like two days. But if I'm only sitting down to listen to one record by them, hmm. uh, it will always be this one. Okay. Yeah, with a, without a frame of reference, I can't really gauge it. But, you know, so this is their middle this album. Is, like of, of This the is five. right in the middle. This okay. is the one where they transitioned from synth band to a more guitar band. Okay. Yeah, then then I can see what you're saying. Uh, it's You can hear... That the mix, it's it's obviously something new for them. It's it uh, they're trying to break ground there for themselves, and there's not more of one or the other. So yeah, it's I I agree with that take. It's a really well balanced album and a good listen. Yeah, so. yeah, and like it still gets played. I mean, Dickens mm-hmm. will play it more or less anytime anybody asks. Basically, yep. As well, they ought. <laughs> it is fun to move your body about to. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they would at a Britpop night. Maybe? I don't know. Would this count? I'm pretty sure they're from the UK. I don't know. I, I, I got the impression they were, like, 
Eastern European. There's that one track on there, um, Fighting in Built-Up Areas, where they seem to be singing quite natively in some other language that sounds Slavic, maybe? Something sat in my head that they were Russian, like this was their group for all this era. I, you correct me if I'm wrong. I, I will correct you if you're wrong. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. But first, I'm going to check whether that is the case or not. <laughs> anyway, Lady Tron was formed in Liverpool in 1999, and I had thought that Fighting in Built-Up Areas was in French. Really? Uh, maybe I'm don't just know. that far I out. I don't know. My French is terrible. And, uh, my French has become terrible, uh, yes. I went to a public school in Alberta. Exactly. In the 1980s, when Alberta was the very angriest <laughs> at the very idea of ever being asked to speak some French. I don't know, I don't know why I thought, you know, like, Slavic. It just, there were tones from it that... Because all of these bands are from Central Europe. I guess so, yeah. Like, that's... you can fire blind when you hear music that sounds like this. True. And say, they are probably Russian, German, or Central European in some capacity. <laughs> Yeah, and you will be right good. Yeah, it's a the, good 70% of yeah. the time. That was the most annoying thing. I'm listening to this podcast, Communion After Dark. Okay. And they present a lot of music in this style, like gothic music, industrial music, dark wave, mm -hmm. synth pop, that kind of thing. Yeah. And like the majority of bands that I've discovered through this show, oh, oh nice, I hope that they come to town someday. Uh, oh, no, they won't. They're in Russia. And small, a uh, small outfit from yeah. Uh, judging from the nineteen hundred people who follow them on Twitter, and the fact that there was someone on to say hi back to me, <laughs> they probably will not be able to fly across the ocean to play one gig for probably just me and the people who I bully well, into coming to see. <laughs> well, there's, I think there's enough of us here. I feel like we have a scene. I I feel like we do too. I mean, we've managed to get some pretty good acts through. I know Terminus Festival has had some really big names attached to it, not necessarily all North American or anything like that, so it's always possible, and I guess you just have to put the bug in the right ear. That is true. Mental note. Next time I want to see a band that I've heard on a podcast. You know who to talk Bully to. Bully Chris at Dickens. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm sure he'll love that if he hears this. <laughs> I, have, I have zero doubt. <laughs> now, pet theory. Alright. Could this band have happened not during the George W. Bush years? And now that the world is unstable again... Could they happen again? That's what I'm saying. Because a lot of the groups who traded in a level of tension and disquiet... I'm thinking these guys. I'm thinking Muse. I'm thinking all of the overtly political bands mm -hmm. did very well for themselves. During that era, While yeah. there was an era of constant war. And then with the exception of, I want to say, Radiohead, as soon as the world felt like it was no longer being run by outright lunatics, most of the bands tapered off and then went away. Yeah, Radiohead's never going away for any reason. So. No, Radiohead will never go away. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They'll die on their feet. Probably. Yeah, considering, considering the politics of the moment and... All of that, I think you will start to see the artistic blowback from that. I know some of the indie punk shows that I've seen recently, there are a lot of the younger bands are really getting quite political. I mean, yes, in Canada, there's 
not much to be said about it in terms of what we can do, but there's certainly we certainly all have opinions on what's going on, frankly, to the south of us. And everywhere. To the east. And to the east. Brexit's pretty terrifying. Brexit's pretty bad, too. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's an entire world worth of problems right now. Thankfully, Canada has stayed mostly out of that. But yeah, no, I, I've seen that the 15 to 25-year-old set are really becoming much more political and voicing that. And I'm seeing it through at least punk music. I haven't been to much in the way of startup indie bands or anything like that but at least from the punk scene in calgary i've seen that yeah it's getting quite quite a lot more political which makes sense it's not to put too fine a point on it 15 to 25 year olds are the people who have emotional energy to invest well in exactly kind of well and to be frank you know if it's if it does come down to say a world war they're the ones immediately getting sent they're the ones who have the biggest fight here to be had. So they should be voicing their concerns, from my perspective. Oh, this is very much the case. They, uh, have, they know, have to live in this world. You and I, you know, older, much older than 25, say, we're not going to be the ones sent to the front lines at the start. You know, we might be sent once all the 25-year-olds have been killed. I don't want to speak for you. I, it's... If they send me to war, our side is losing... <laughs> Badly. badly. Yeah, exactly. Real it's, badly. I, I am officially, and I get that this is happening to me more, younger than it's happening to the average person. Mm -hmm. I'm already at the point where my organs are spontaneously failing, if you'll recall. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I um, literally could almost die walking down the street. This is this is all true. I've got my own health issues as well, you know. <laughs> I've already beat one cancer, you know, all this sort of thing. But the odds of us getting sent first to the front lines yeah. is pretty low, whereas for the 18, to, particularly the 18 to 25 set, if something starts in the next year and it's like world-encompassing, yeah, these people have to stand up for what they believe and use their art and use their voice to fight it. So yeah. will we see more of Lady Tron-style lower-energy stuff, like deep-mood-type things? I think that's certainly part of the art of it. Will we see more aggressive stuff? I would think so as almost well. Almost certainly. Uh, almost certainly. I mean, Nineteen-year-olds have so much energy for this. Exactly. It's you know, <laughs> and they like to make a lot of noise because that's what a nineteen-year-old yeah. does. They can. Yeah, they have exactly. that in them. You know, it's uh, they can do that and wake up the next day, you know, hungover as anyone's business, and just do it all over again. Dude, they're not even hungover. No, they're never hungover. They just bounce. It's <laughs> They're like babies. You drop them, they bounce. It's, it's magnificent. I know. I, I miss those days. Right? But you can't live like that forever. This is true. You can live like that either to a point, at which point it suddenly stops. I, or I you think eventually this year was, dial it back. I think this year was the official point where it stopped for me. Was yeah, this it? I think this was the official year where I did something so childish and dumb, and I... I paid the price for it enough that, uh, yeah, I think I finally learned my lesson. I'm not going to do that shit no more. Would you like to share? Um, <laughs> uh, for seven years, I have had a party for my birthday that has become known as Chairburn. It started out just as a random thing. We found a wooden chair in the alleyway, and we decided to put it into the fire pit. And then people started sitting in it. And then it sort of became an event. And so this year, we were doing it again, and... 
I was very, very drunk, and I think it was the fourth chair that we had put into the fire. And I was on the chair long enough that my pant leg caught on fire. I'm told I ran around giggling like a schoolgirl as people tried to put me out. And uh, when they finally put me out, I had uh, full-on second-degree burns to uh, my calf and ended up having to have skin graft surgery, which got me off my feet for two solid weeks. So, yeah, that was that was among the dumber things I've ever done, uh, mo most teenage-like. Oh, I'm invincible. Nothing's ever going to touch me. Oh, no. I saw a video of you in the fire lighting yourself ablaze, and you did have your fist pumping in the air as though to scream, I am a golden god. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. See, I'm an overgrown 19-year-old. That's all there is to it. But, like, you did get away with this. I did. For, I was... like, six successful years? Yes. It, it's a miracle no one had gotten burned up to that point and i mean it was always gonna be me who got hurt the most from this i was always the most brazen about the fire that's that's part of that teenage mindset that i still very much have or had <laughs> nothing can touch me i'm invincible i'm never gonna die uh, this year i think i finally learned my lesson and it's like oh i can't do this stuff anymore <laughs> that makes sense so we're building a what a wicker man. Uh, yeah, year? the plan the plan for next year is effigy burn. We will I will make a uh, paper mache version of myself with all the various major bodily injuries I've ever had, uh, and we will set it in the fire, and people can toss their own shit in that they want that they want to burn up, and uh, yeah, it'll become a big like ceremony type thing to just let go of whatever you don't need anymore. That seems like a fantastic ceremony in which no human is set on fire. I agree. No humans set on fire. I told you my workplace's attitude toward chair burning. Yeah? No, uh, well, I, I, I vaguely remember you saying that you <clears throat> thought it was crazy, which... Yeah, I explained it to people the gist of it, and all of them thought that A, completely insane, B, but super fun, and something that 22-year-old them would definitely have been all over had the opportunity been made available to them. And then I went to the party that night and came to work the next day because I always arrive at your birthday party uh, fairly late yeah. due to what I do for a living. Yeah. And therefore, I am not yeah. terribly drunk by the end of the night and can make it to work make as a functioning work, yeah. human being. Arrive at work and one of the people who I've told about the whole chair burn concept says, oh, how was your party? We set a dude on fire! <laughs> Quite literally this time. Uh, that probably would have been about the point in time that I did go to the hospital in that case. Because, yeah, it was it was like 14 solid hours later that I finally decided, okay, maybe this is bad enough, I need to go to the hospital. Yeah, that's on us. I think that's on the rest of us. Um, yeah, but here's the thing. You'd already demonstrated that you didn't have the capacity to judge whether or not to stand in the middle of a fire pit. This is true. And then you came out of it, and we all went, yeah, but he probably has the capacity to decide whether he needs to go to the hospital. If he says that he doesn't need to, we should take him at his word. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to everyone who's listening. Never listen to me. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, this diverged a long ways away from music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, you know. But it's a great story. It is. And it we're is. here anyway. Yeah. And this is meant to be more of a uh, autobiographical show. Yeah. Than a specifically... Uh... Would I be listening to Lady Tron on the fire? No. 
Uh, the, Would you be listening to Lady Tron while waiting to get into an emergency room? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that would actually fit quite well. I think it probably would have fit quite well after the surgery when I was, you know, stuck in bed for five solid days. You know, I wasn't allowed to get up for five days. You yeah. Know, perfect, perfect mood music oh, for that. Oh, that seems really good. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, that would deepen the experience that much further. Yeah. It is really good music for road trips by yourself. Mm, I can see that, yeah. Um, at the time that this record came out, and their next two, and just in general, when this band was a thing, I was doing a lot of dinner theater with uh, Jubilations, mm. and it wasn't the right album to listen to Departing on a Greyhound on your way to an adventure, but at the end of a run, leaving an adventure and an experience that you'd had, and art that you've made, and friends who you won't be able to see again for months really appropriate yeah and and the 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 burnout feel like because there's always the burnout feel afterwards as well it's just like you just go oh uh, just like you're done yep i can physically collapse for roughly two weeks exactly yeah and then we're starting it all again yeah i could i could definitely see that as being good music for it which is i think the important part to understanding any band Context is everything with regard to music, with regard to art in general. It's not enough to like a performer or enjoy art that they make. You have to decide within yourself, what is this music for and do I want that? And is this the band that can provide it for me? And that is where I think these guys do a remarkable job in that if you very specifically want dance music that is also wistful somehow they're very good at that Mm -hmm. but so few other creators think to try that at all it seems like an odd mix that one like wistful dance music what admittedly yeah they they may be the only ones i've ever heard who are trying to do that yeah i mean like arguably moby but i wouldn't qualify him as dance music no i wouldn't either it's wistful Certainly wistful, yes. Mood music, most certainly. Yeah, but, he's more chill-out tent music. Yeah, you expect it in, like, a, yeah, a chill-out lounge sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I need to be dragged off the dance floor. It's literally the opposite of dance music. It's, I need desperately to stop dancing now music. I, I need to hydrate, please. <laughs> Add me some orange juice and put on hotel. <laughs> This has been a public service announcement on behalf of Orange Juice and the Moby album, Hotel. Oh. For when you can't handle your life right now. Oh, see, that that again sounds like a perfectly valid experience to me. I'm like, hey, I want to try that. It's, it's great, but you need to actually be about to crash and burn. That's got to be, like, yeah, like you've spent like seven hours at an event yeah. and you've just gone and gone and gone and you've probably drank and done all of these things. And at the end of it, it's, I need to go home now. Yeah. It's, yeah. See, that sounds like what you'd listen to on in the cab. Yeah, in the cab on your way home. And like, I think Lady Tron is also terrific at that. I, I think it would work. It yeah. sounds, which is weird because this is a group that had a complete emotional arc to their career. Okay. They were a young, scrappy band. They were a band that had been around for a decade. But everything that they record, I think, does sound, and you can correct me if you disagree, a little bit like the bittersweet end of something. I don't know if that's that's the 
I mean, the mood stuff, I mean, obviously it's darker mood, it's lower key mood stuff. That may be just the association that you make with that. That might be. Because I didn't really get that this was about an ending, per se. Oh, it's not about an ending, it just feels like one. I meant tonally. Tonally? Well... Rather than, um, lyrically. See... That's the interesting way with how I processed the lyrics on this. It's very few words actually came through. I was listening to how the sound of the vocals worked with the rest of the music. It's For me, when particularly when I start, I may not be looking specifically for the lyrical content. I'm looking for the lyrical melody, like what it's doing within the rest of the music. And for that part, I think it's wicked. In terms of the lyrics that did break through that sort of barrier for me. There seems to be a fair amount of talk of ending in terms of relationship sort of thing, or yep. that... I wouldn't say it's an ending album, though. Okay. I, I, think, I, I think it's not quite to that step. I'll buy that. An interesting point on taking the vocals as an instrument, among others, rather than focusing on the lyrics. That was actually my experience when I listened to Rise Against on a previous episode. It sounded great, and it really fit with the music, but... I have no idea paid, what they were know, saying. I well, it, no attention that's... It, for me, that's very much how, like, bands like Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. I love Rage Against the Machine. I haven't got a clue what the guy's saying. Not any idea. Like, a few words will pop out here and there, yeah. but... For the most part, it's how he's saying it, the rhythm with which he's saying it, and the tone of his voice. Like, you can tell he's pissed off about this, that, or the other thing, and it uh, just works with... Leftist me. politics, if I gather <laughs> correctly, is what he's pissed off by. Yeah. They are a <laughs> very politically active band at the time. I, uh, this is true. <laughs> this is... It's, see, again, uh, you know, that that was the, the political push of... That would have been the end of the first Bush years, when they would have come out. Would they? Uh, I think they were till end of Clinton. No, they were, they were like, their first album was 92? Really? 92, 93, I think. Rage Against the Machine are an older band than I give credit for. I know, I know, uh, Evil Empire came out, would have been, I just started high school, so 95 or 96, somewhere in there. Huh. I, uh, I had assumed that they didn't come along until later. They were sort of an offshoot from the grunge yeah, they were, yeah. They were they were sort of LA's answer to Seattle. Oh, wait a second. Thing. No, okay. No, that's on me. How so? They came out four or five years before rap metal. It, well, yeah, but they they're... were both rap and metal. <laughs> Therefore, I assumed that they came out in like ninety eight, ninety nine, uh, because those were the years where that was a thing. That would have been Battle of Los <laughs> Angeles, I believe. Yeah, they were one of those bands that um, were really good. For their first and album. should not be held to account for the sorts of bands they influenced. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, say no to rap metal, kids. It's not. It's not Rage Against the Machine's fault. <laughs> they actually had a message as opposed to what most rap metal had. Yeah. I don't know what the message was because, again, I didn't understand what was being said. But I could tell it was being said passionately, and I give him all the power for that. Solid. I, from having read some of their lyrics, they are uh, very clever and articulately presented political arguments. But you do not need to know that in order to appreciate <laughs> this band. Can you, <laughs> can you get your energy up against something? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So we're approaching, we're approaching the 45-minute mark. All right. 
On our way out, I want to ask you three questions because I end episodes with three questions. Now that you have listened to Witching Hour by Ladytron uh, multiple times over the course of a week, and now that you have talked about them at some length, will you be listening to this album uh, further going forward? I certainly will be. Again, it'll be a mood-dependent thing, but it will go into my not-quite-at-okay-computer-level mood. It, it's it's sort of that step above. It's like, okay, computer is like a, the world is just coming to a goddamn end. <laughs> Whereas this this is that step above that. So it'll certainly be added to that list. Solid. Second, will you be uh, exploring Lady Tron's catalog any further? Or is this good uh, for you? I'm intrigued by the... Uh, so there's uh, the earlier stuff is more synthy and the later stuff is more guitar driven so i'm certainly gonna i think i'll check out the second album and the fourth album and then you know spread from the middle sort of thing check it all out that makes sense yeah and finally if you could pick um one track off this album to play us out which one would you pick it's got to be international dateline it's going to be international dateline all right this has been the soundtrack to a life uh, I have been Chris. I am still Chris. I will be Chris in the future. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at SoundtrackCast. Subscribe on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. Review us, rate us, tell your friends about us. Mike is still here with me. I am. And playing you out, Lady Tron with International Dateline. We will see you in two weeks. Woke up in the evening,